This episode is called Just Do It. What does it look like to have a dream? And what does it look like to live a dream? Hi, this is Rev T, and you're listening to the Face to Face Dialogue Show. And today we have joyful, joyful Andrea Joy. Say hi, Andrea. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing good. I just love this intro. Got me dancing already. <laughs> Here she goes. Hi, Andrea. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing really well. Really glad to be on the face to face podcast with you, Tony. And how are you doing? <laughs> Yeah, Midea, Midea. <laughs> good, good, good. Just for our listeners, uh, I'm introducing you to Andrea Joy, aka Andrea Bran, and uh, she resides in Antigua. Which part of Antigua do you reside? Um, well, at the moment, I'm on the north side of Antigua in an area called Dutchman's Bay. Mm. Um, but I, well, I've I've lived kind of. Most of my time in Antigua has been on the east side of the island in an area called Blackout. Yeah, Blackout. Blackout. <laughs> um, and the story about Blackout is um, that my husband's dad, when he moved there, there was no electricity, no nothing there. So it was literally black, dark, and he bought the electricity and light, and they used to have parties down there. Mm-hmm. And when the generator would run out, it would be a blackout. So that's where the name came from. <laughs> See, I get it, I get it. <laughs> We have we have electricity and lights now, though. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> and I've been to Antigua, and I love it. It's beautiful. I was there for your wedding, so uh, I still remember it clear as day because it was so beautiful. So it's great to have you. Um, just so that you know, Andrea is uh, well, you're one of my uh, people that I coach and uh, give pastoral guidance as you lead Antigua Beach Church. Yeah, you're um, you're my biggest cheerleader. Yes. Um, <laughs> my um, yeah, just a really great support as a as a as a Christian, but especially as a church leader and um, pastor in a church. Um, so yeah. I don't know if there's a one title for that. No, no, there's no, it's, just, it's just just me, just me one. Yeah, just you, just you, exactly, that's it. And also I should add, it's not just you because Marsha does um, step in as well. So I'm, I always feel really grateful that I have both of you to have the male and female perspective. Um, so that's great as well. Beautiful, beautiful. So I'm just going to read your bio Andrea Joy is a contagiously joyful and naturally effervescent woman born in London, England, with ancestral roots in the beautiful Caribbean island of Antigua. Andrea relocated from London to Antigua after completing her master's degree in Black British Literature. The bold move was driven by her desire for a better quality of life to give back to her ancestral home and her love of mangoes. She never imagined that sharing joy would be her purpose in life. However, she has embraced her namesake and endeavors to continue being an impactful and energized source of joy through her thoughts, words, and actions. Church leader, joy activist, educator, eyewear enthusiast, joyful life coach. That's Andrea Joy Brand. 
Wow. <laughs> so the question I was going to ask you, um, I think you've answered it. If you were any type of fruit, what kind of fruit would you be? Of course, a mango. Mm. Of course, that's my favourite fruit. We're in April now and mango starts, mango season starts around end of May going into June. Mm. And I am, um, what, what do I love about mangoes? I love mangoes because they're juicy, they're sweet. Wow. They make you, I always say that is like edible sunshine. Um, you know, you eat a mango and you just feel good. Um, so true. And so, yeah, mangoes have a very special place in my heart. <laughs> yes, yeah, a very special place in your heart. You can eat man- mangoes all day long, do you? <laughs> I do, actually. When it's mango season, I wake up, I'm like, oh, what should I have for breakfast? I'll have a few mangoes. Mango. Lunch. Yeah, I'll have a few mangoes. So <laughs> my shopping bill is very low during mango yeah. season, I must say. <laughs> That's good. It keeps you healthy, keeps yeah. you going and hydrated. Yeah. Oh, bless you. So, Andrea, what inspires you to be so joyful? <laughs> well, it's actually funny because... Um, yeah, it is my middle name, so I guess it's always been part of my identity and something that I guess people have always identified with me. Um, like I remember growing up and well, throughout my life, it was been like, oh, you know, when you walk into the room, it's like the room lights up and, you know, you always make me feel so happy when I'm around you. But I just thought that was, I guess, normal. I didn't really see that as a major identifier of who I am. Um, but in 2019, um, I lost my granddad and within like less than two months, my father-in-law as well. I was in England for a long time and for about two months, I'd come back to Antigua and I fell into a depression and it was a really hard time, hardest time that I've ever been through. And I just felt the lowest of the low. I just felt like, how am I ever going to get through this? Um, how am I ever, ever going to overcome this? I just felt broken. Mm. I felt really broken. I was just crying all the time. Um, at work, at home, I just felt like my joy had been taken. Something that I hadn't really taken note of or really, really been that conscious of, but it was taken. Mm. And I found this book on my bookshelf that I'd had for probably about two years called 40 Days to a Joy-Filled Life by Tommy Newbury. And I didn't, um, as I said, I'd had it on my shelf for a while, but I hadn't read it. And um, as I was going through this experience in this depression, I was like, you know what, let me start reading it. Let me pick it up and see. And so each day for the 40 days is a different activity and it's heavily based on the um, scripture Philippians 4, 8, which is whatever things are great, lovely, praiseworthy, admirable, excellent, um, meditate on these things. Yeah. And as soon as I started reading that, and really tapping into, I suppose, God's source of joy. I just felt myself coming out of that really dark and what felt like a bottomless space. And so in actually embracing that joy in my life, it really propelled me to actually want to share that with other people in a meaningful and intentional way. Mm. So whereas... um, for most people, they would probably um, be like, well, you know, what you're doing now is not that different to who you were or how you were before. But whereas before it was just, I guess, who I was, now it's both who I am, but also what I am and what I want to do and what I want to share. Mm. Yeah, that's how I've become 
intentionally joyful and intentionally seeking God's joy in my life and to share that with others and encourage other people to live a joy-filled and purpose-filled life because I think that's what also came with um, finding joy was also finding a greater sense of purpose as well. So it seems seems like you really had to dig deep yeah. um, and it sounds like that was the lowest point. I think when people are watching from the outside to just see you as somebody that is joyful and who is successful, that you don't have your lowest points and how you really make a concerted effort to dig yourself out of that depressive pit, as it were. Yeah. Some people don't make it out of it. And it's not easy. It's no. not easy to show it either. I remember when I was going through it, one of my close friends who I also work with, and she literally sat um, opposite me at my desk and she could obviously see the change in me and um I when I you know opened up and told her like just how I feel and you know she was like you know Andrew when people ask you how are you doing you don't have to say you're fine you don't have to smile and just pretend everything's okay Mm. you can say you know I'm taking each day as it comes you know I've been better whatever it may be because when you start to say oh I'm great I'm fine and you're not there's a juxtaposition mentally that your body can't really get through like so it doesn't the body doesn't know how to act and therefore the body doesn't really know how to heal itself it's confused Um, it's confused exactly and so um you know I think going through that time it can feel very very lonely I think if you have at least just one person um that you can kind of open up to and I I I think at that time as well I because as I said my granddad passed my father-in-law passed and so that's my husband's dad and I felt like I'm in this super low period of my life and it's not my dad that's passed away and so I kind of wanted to um, shelter it from my husband as well but obviously he knew you know I'm cooking dinner and I'm crying or I come out of the shower and I'm crying he obviously knows that something's not right and so even in that, you've got to be really open and honest yeah. when you're going through um, experiences like that to really be open and honest with the people around you. So therefore, you can be honest with yourself to be able to dig deep and come out of it. How do you find the courage to, I suppose, find the right person to share um, how you really feel? Because not everybody you can share that with. Well, for me, they revealed themselves to me. Mm. So I've got lots of people that I love, lots of people that I talk to. And it's, and the people that are closest to me, my husband, my parents and my brother, and my parents and my brother at that time, I didn't say anything to them because I didn't want them to be upset because they're in London, I'm in Antigua. Um, so I didn't share anything with them. And so... I was like, God knew I needed someone to help me. And so my friend, who was a good friend anyway, but she was able to identify, see what I was going through and help me in the best way that she could. And then also, like I said, she was there, but also having that book as well, that helped me greatly and just get through it. But it, it isn't, it's not like an overnight process, no. um, but it is, it is a process and you, but you do have to go through it and you have to be willing because it is hard. You know, you challenged by things, but by the time you get through it or, you know, where you can start to see the light at the end of the tunnel, it's all so worth it. You said a key thing, is, which is that you have to go through it. Yeah. And that's grief and depression. 
um, we have to go through it. But the issue is, is when we resist it. Yeah. It's important to communicate, be it professional, pastoral. Absolutely. Um, and I'm, I'm big on communication. Um, but I guess, I suppose over the years, what's become more apparent to me is that communication isn't just one thing. And depending on who you're communicating with, you have to learn how to adapt to that. And yeah, I think, I think that's really important because we think of communication as, oh yeah, I'm a good communicator, but um, can you communicate in, communicate to all people in all circumstances? And that's something that definitely has to be learned and developed over time. So name me three people um, that inspires you the most. You don't have to say me. <laughs> three people. Yeah, I can, I can imagine some listeners going, me, me, why should I have said me? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I'm going to start, and I guess this is in age order, um, and my grandparents... Um, my grandparents inspire me because, um, you know, when you're young, I was very blessed to grow up close with my grandparents. Um, physically, I live next door to my paternal grandparents, um, and but also emotionally and time-wise because, like, I used to spend the weekdays with my paternal grandparents and then at the weekends I'd go by my maternal grandparents and they're very different. All four of them are very different and they all have lessons and I've learned so much from them that they probably don't even realise and it's only, I suppose, coming to Antigua and being away from them made me realise how much I've learned and how much of who I am comes from them. And I also think about the sacrifice they made because if I wouldn't be in Antigua if it wasn't for them because they left Antigua over 60 years ago um, to make a life for themselves in England, had their children my parents and um, then you know their families have flourished they've got homes etc and um, experiences but it's actually their their love or their stories and their um about Antigua that really made me think you know this place I really want to go there and I remember the first time I went I just felt immediately at home it felt like it felt somewhere so foreign because I first went when I was two, but I didn't go back again until I was 14, so 12 years later. And so that um, coming back to Antigua, it was so different to anywhere I'd been, but yet yeah, it felt so familiar um, in a sense. I don't know if that's because of going at two or if the familiarity came from the stories and hearing about Antigua from my grandparents. So I definitely have to say that they inspire me and that, that generation, that um, Windrush generation, um, you know, coming over to England, the racism they had to face, the um, police brutality, the experience they had to go through, but yet they still made a way provided for their families, both here and back home, wherever home was for them. They me to know that, you know, anything that I can go through, they've been through worse. And so if they got through it, I can get through it. And I guess I have that fighting power in me. Um, my parents, they inspire me because mm. I, so my husband and I have been married for two and a half years now. And they, for me, are the best example of um, marriage. I guess I'm really blessed that I grew up with them as my parents um, and I, with my brother. You know, seeing how they 
worked through things and have changed and had to adapt as they've raised my brother and I, how they've had to deal with um, like conflict resolution in their marriage with family members, with friends. They were really great support for my brother and I, but yeah. also a really great support in their family networks and their friendship network. And so they're often the um, ones that you know, people come to as a first port of call to get through something or they need help with something. They're usually the ones. So, yeah, they really inspire me. I remember actually thinking, you know, when you get married, you don't know really what marriage is going to be or what you think it might be is very different. But I think for my husband and I both, because there's a lot of things we admire about my parents' marriage that we think, you know, how can we implement that or, you know, but there's some things I think I don't want to do that in my marriage, but you know, to have that kind of idea of, I wouldn't say the ideal or perfect marriage, because as we know, no marriage is perfect, but uh, it's a good standard, I would say. (laughs) Um, It's a a good standard and to know what they've been through um, as well. So I'm, I'm grateful for them and they, they also inspire me. Big shout out to Andrew and Dawn Thomas, much love to you both. I know you're going to be listening and I can imagine uh, Andrew smiling from cheek to cheek with his teeth shining. <laughs> yeah, so they are great individuals and then together they're even like, yeah, super great. And then the third person, yeah, that's a bit of a tough one. But I think probably the easiest one to pinpoint down to is my husband Kabu. Mm. And um, I say he inspires me because he, uh, I guess he inspires me. Our union inspires me to want to do better and be better. And, you know, he, as I said, his dad passed away in 2019 suddenly and to see the way he's had to step up and evolve and change in that time. Yes. Um, it's been really inspiring to see that. And he never gives himself enough credit because he's really great. Really, 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 really great. He's a humble guy. Very humble. Um, and I, I'm always telling him, Kaboo, you know, you could just do that because you're just so great. I just, I think he just thinks because I'm his wife, I'm just chatting rubbish, but he is great. He's a general. He's a general. <laughs> general. <laughs> he is the general. So, um, I, he does definitely inspire me and inspires me to be a better person and to keep growing and to keep working. And he's always encouraging me, you know, um, there's nothing when I, the few times when I say, Oh, I can't do that. Or that's too hard. He'll be like, yeah, you can do it. And he's the way he says it. I just think, yeah, I can do it. So, um, yeah, I'm just really, he inspires me. His spiritual growth really inspires me to know where he's come from and where he is now. Yeah. Um, and I love him. <laughs> I, I should hope so. I should hope so. You know, when, when I grow up, I want to be like Kabu. He's so humble. <laughs> he's so humble and <laughs> so sweet and just reassuring. I just love the way his personality is. And, um, you know, I know marriage is not easy, but it gets easier when you've got someone like Kabu who is, um, he's just joined to you in a way that is perfect, that God brought you both together. It's just awesome to look at. Oh, thank you. If I could blush, I would. <laughs> you can't blush. <laughs> face to face. So, Andrea, mm-hmm. what have you done? What are you doing? What are you going to do? Oh, what have I done um, in my life? In your life. Well, <laughs> <laughs> um, 
what have I done? Well, I guess I can pinpoint just thinking about the conversation we've had and my introduction and different things. Yeah. I have done or I completed my master's in black British literature. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. And that was the best educational experience I've ever had in my whole entire life. Um, it was, I did it, I'd finished my, um, I was finishing up my undergraduate degree in English literature um, and American studies. And I was like, okay, I'm going to get ready to work. Mm. And my dad said, oh, you know, have you thought about doing your master's? My mum and dad don't tell me to do a lot of things. So usually when they do, I would go and look it up, say, okay, let me think about it. When he told me, I was like, no, I'm not doing my master's. I don't want to do it anymore. La, 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 la. He's like, okay then. <laughs> so that seemed like the end of the conversation. And then the next morning I woke up and as clear as day, God was like, look up a master's degree. Mm. And I was like, did you hear me yesterday? I said, I don't want to do it. But anyway, um, for anyone that has heard God speak to them so clearly, it's almost like, yeah, there's nothing else you can do but that. So I looked up, I found this website called Find a Master's Degree. And I said, I'm only going to be, I only want to do a degree in something that I'm interested in or relates to me as a black person. Yeah. And then I saw this degree in black British writing and I looked it up. I was like, this is me. I'm a black British woman. Perfect. And studied literature. Great. Mm. And my cousin's friend, when I told her I'd signed up for it, she was like, you know, I've had the application completed on my laptop for like a few months. I was like, just put it in. So she put it in. So we both got on the course, um, which was a great experience again, doing it with someone that I call my cousin. And so we were doing the course together. And the first time where it was all black students, I think in one of the Caribbean literature classes, there was a white student and it just felt like such a safe space. It felt like such an open space. And we were discussing things that excited me. Yeah. I always say like when I was doing my master's, so I'm now 22 and I felt like a nursery school student. Like I felt like every day I was coming home from work, mommy, daddy, Justin, listen to this. Guess what? Did you know that? <laughs> because I'm like, all this knowledge about black British history that I never knew, never had been touched on, never had been thinged on, like just nothing. Yeah. And I just felt, and I felt so liberated and empowered and encouraged by it. But then I also felt like so let down as well. Yeah, I was going to ask you if you felt angry. Yeah, because it's like, how could I be 22 and I'm only just learning about these things? Why didn't I learn this at primary school? Why didn't I learn this at secondary school? Why didn't I learn this in my first? degree mm. we i've had how many black history months um in my lifetime why wasn't any of this stuff taught mm. and so it was a sense of anger and feeling very let down by the british education system but then also an opportunity for me now where what i thought was to share what i knew with others so any opportunity i could to share what i was learning what i was doing with my family with my friends i would do it and i remember when it came to my dissertation i did my dissertation on the representation of black British fathers in literature and I sent it to my aunts and cousins to read over and I know that one of my aunts she was like why do you want me to read it I don't even have a degree why would you want me to do it and I said well you know you might find some spelling errors or whatever but it was also an opportunity for me to share what I had learned 
in a way, because this is the thing, when you're doing degrees, especially the higher you get up, master's, PhD, mm. you're doing these academic work that go into journals and in conferences, but they're in an academic sphere. They're like in this whole other world yeah. and you don't get to really tap into the everyday person. And that was really important for me. It wasn't about just learning for myself. It was about sharing that knowledge um, in a very real way with real people that could really benefit from knowing that. Mm. Um, another thing I've done is obviously moved to Antigua, which was something I've wanted to do for a very long time. I think I first verbalized it when I was about 15, when I, as I said, when I came to Antigua um, and I was like, I want to live here. I hadn't even done my GCSEs or anything. And I was like, I want to live here. But then also when my mom and dad were clearing out the shed, they found a piece of work from when I was about six or seven that said, when I have my house in Antigua, da, 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 da. so these seeds have obviously been planted from much younger. And so I made the move to Antigua and um, I've been here for four and a half years now mm. and um, it's been a great experience. It's made me realise a lot actually about how grateful I am for the upbringing I had in England and the family I had, not had, have, <laughs> um, but the family, yeah, they're still there, the family connection and the um, support system that I grew up with, which I thought, well, I suppose I kind of realised this when I went to university actually, but I thought my family dynamic and how I was raised um, with my parents, my grandparents, my cousins, my aunts and uncles, I thought that was very normal. Um, and then when I grew up, I realised that it's not normal at all and that it's very, very, very rare. Yeah. <laughs> and so I think coming to Antigua as well, additionally emphasised that. I remember there was a time when I was um, having a bad time at work and I said to my brother, like, you know, these people are being so horrible to me and I don't know why and blah, 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 and I feel like doing this and blah, blah, blah. And one of the things my brother said to me is two things. He said, remember why you moved to Antigua? Because he'd asked me, like, have you been to the beach today or this week? And I was like, oh, no, I haven't been. He's like, why did you move to Antigua? Remember, you moved so you could go to the beach, so you could eat mango, so you can do all those things. So don't forget that just because you're living there. And he also said to me, Andrea, remember to live with integrity. And that means doing the right thing all the time, even when no one's watching, even when you're not going to get a merit for it or no one's going to acknowledge it for it. And so even though that's how we were raised, you know, like as you get older, you can forget some of those like founding principles in your life sometimes or you kind of they get a bit blurred. And when he said that, that's something that's really kind of stuck with me since I've been living in Antigua. It's living with in, living with integrity, which I've realized is really admirable and people really admire that quality of me. It can be so rare. People do the right thing to people that do the right thing back to them or that treat them well, but they're not always willing to do it to people that don't. And it's not easy. <laughs> I, I would never say it's easy, but it just, it, yeah, but it's, it, it just makes your life easy. You don't have to be looking over your back, seeing who's going to try and trip you up. You just live good. And I've been blessed um, that my time here has been good. That was a big move I made. And I didn't really think it was that big or that bold doing it. Like everyone, when I said I moved to Antigua or when I was just about to move, they're like, oh, you're so brave. And I used to think, what's so brave about it? I'm not moving to like a war-torn country. But I think a lot of people, the fear of leaving everything they know for something new is a really scary thing for a lot of people that change the, and the idea of change. But I suppose when you don't have that fear, it doesn't seem that big. But when other people have that fear, they will propel it because they'll think, oh my gosh, how could you have done that? I could never have done that. And they project it on you. Yeah. I think the thing is, um, you know, just listening to you and 
because I know you as well, is that you just went and did it. You know, you just said, just do it. Mm. And it, I suppose it's like, you know, if you've never swum before, or you've never dived off a, a diving board, it's either you um, stand there for hours on end at the edge of the, the pool, or you just dive in, regardless <laughs> of if it's a belly flop or not. And the belly flops hurt, but you'll get over it. <laughs> <laughs> From watching you, I know that, you know, when you moved over to uh, Antigua, it wasn't because you were running from people. And that's the thing that people should also realise is that people are the same everywhere. They still hurt you. They still love you. They still support you. They still reject you wherever you are. You know, props to you. You went over to Antigua. You lived there. No regrets. You know, there's there's always things that you think, oh, I wish I did that or I should have maybe done that. But then everything happens for a reason. When I moved over, I, as I said, I just got my master's degree and I came here to work as a waitress. And so every and I was thinking, people are going to be like, why have you got a master's degree and you're coming to waitress? But I wanted to move and I needed a job. And that was the only job that was available for me when I moved. So I took it. And so if I had said, oh, no, I'm only taking a job that is worthy of my degree, then I might never have moved. It might have taken me much longer. And so sometimes when we think, so like now I'm thinking back and I think, oh, maybe I would have done this or that. Mm. And maybe if I did this or that, or if I waited for this or that to happen, I might never have done it. So that's why I kind of think I don't really have any regret because if it was meant to be that way, it would have been that way. So Andrea, Andrea, joy. Let me ask you this question. Why do you do what you do? Uh, In particular, um, where you are motivating people and also motivating people in the Antigua Beach Church as well. Well, I was actually, that was one of the other things. I know I can talk a lot, but that was one of the other things I was going to say, what have you done? And that was, um, yeah, starting Antigua Beach Church, which I started in April 2019. Um, One Thursday morning, getting up for work, getting ready in looking in the mirror. And I hear God as clear as day. As I said before, when God spoke clearly to me before saying, look up a master's degree. So now he's saying um, this morning, that Thursday morning, I wake up and he's saying, start a church on the beach. Mm. And my first instinct was, why me? I don't even know the Bible well. Um, And I was really scared because in that split second, I felt really torn. Mm. Um, And the reason why I felt torn is because before I came to Antigua, Tony and Marsha had said to me, you know, when you go to Antigua, you'll start a church. And I was like, what are they talking about? These people are mad. Um, Like, yeah, okay, whatever. Like, just really brushed it off. I remember telling Kabu, um, you know, what they said. And he's like, oh, well, you know, if you start a church, I don't know what that's going to mean for us because I'm not starting a church. Or And I said, I'm not starting a church. I'm just telling you what they said. And that was it. And that was probably about two years before the church started. So that in that morning when God says start church on the beach, I instantly felt conflicted because I thought I've either got to follow God and then it could possibly break up my not even year in marriage or follow Kabu and then disobey God and, you know, not follow his direction. And so I went in, I knew I had to tell Kabu, but I was really scared. So I said, I told Kabu what he said. And he's like, oh, that sounds great. That sounds really cool. Church on the beach. I was like, what? <laughs> but he was instantly supportive. He's like, well, what does that mean? How do we do that? I said, I don't know. I've got to call Tony. And so I called Tony and he 
say, you know, he spoke about like, you know, early churches were just a gathering of people, write down the different ideas you have, you know, just don't overthink it. And that morning there was a song by um, a singer called Jonathan McReynolds called Make Room. And although I've listened to a lot of Jonathan McReynolds song, I'd never heard that song. And um, so that morning when I was getting ready and hearing that song and that became quite um, like an indicative moment, say, in the journey of making room for my God in my life, for starting this church, for um, the message of the church as well about for the congregation for making room for God in their lives and so that started in April 2019 there was about six of us we met on the beach Fort James Beach it rained so we had to run to my cousin's house and we had it in her front room and it was great um, and then we just met up every week on the beach we'd sometimes go to different beaches um, and different people would um, do the message and share a message and then when we went into lockdown we also had to switch to online and that brought a whole new dynamic because it meant a lot of people from different countries were joining yeah Yeah, so the dynamic has changed but it's been great because the spiritual growth in the church has been amazing and it's something that you know you notice as you're going through but it's something that actually you Tony really pointed out to me because I guess I've never been a pastor of a church I've never had to lead a church um so it's all new to me so what I see is what I see but actually you being able to put it into perspective has been really encouraging and it's just really great to know because I mean when the lockdown first started in March so I think like by the end of the March services went online and like the number of people joining like doubled over in that one week and so then I was doing this every Sunday and I was beginning to get burnt out and it was coming up to summer and I said you know I need this break and to know that I was away for like five Sundays and church still ran and that was the confirmation that I've done what I've done and to start the church but now it's really a church in the sense of everybody the body of Christ brothers and sisters of Christ that we have made this church which is so encouraging to know and so great to know that even in that small way and that small step of obedience as scared and as scary as it was but by being obedient to God what he will come out of it and you know the spiritual growth for myself the people in the church and even around the church you know not even necessarily people that come to the church every Sunday that is probably my best way of being able to share joy um, and to share God's joy in particular because obviously the lockdown was has been awful for many people for many different reasons yeah. but to hear when people you know are giving thanks every Sunday and saying you know I'm thankful for the Antigua Beach Church that we have this family that we have this prayer group this prayer warriors this network it continues to push me because I have to push past the idea of it's not just a little thing it's not just like uh whatever it's just like a little thing online it is a church and that means with it comes the potential for growth wow wow but that's why you do it because you wanted to uh, inspire other people yeah um, inspire their growth as well yeah because um the other um the other platform that i have is i am Andrew joyful on instagram and i started that um literally just after George Floyd was murdered. And I remember thinking, going on my personal Instagram and seeing all these posts about racial injustice, police brutality. Mm. And I was thinking to start a page about joy now, is it appropriate? How will people receive it? And I just remember thinking, Oh, I don't know. But then I thought, what have I got to lose? Mm. So I started it. I went full on into it. I did my best to, you know, 
have themes to like really plan out and be consistent. And like, I remember the first week, the first video I did was think about what you're thinking about. And I actually remember that came from our marriage counseling that um, Kaboo and I did with you and Marsha think about what you're thinking about. And sometimes we can go down this rabbit hole of negative thoughts, which isn't necessary. Mm. And um, I, so I did a video on that and people were commenting, messaging me, private messaging me. And this woman reached out to me and said, you know, I've been in such a dark place this past week thinking about George Floyd and the different police brutality incidents Mm. and just racial injustice and watching your video just really brought me out of it. And And I immediately knew that this is why I have to do it. You know, it's not just about me or followers. It's about the meaningful um, change. So I just want you to just check in with you. You know, what are your parting thoughts? What are your takeaway thoughts that you want to give to your listeners? Let God lead you, you know, um, because sometimes when we get in our heads and when we try to plan it out and get to the perfect moment to think mm. we either talk ourselves out of it or it takes so long that the opportunity is missed so if you hear you know some people might say it's intuition or that voice in their head but when god speaks whatever however you feel it or hear it or understand it to be move at that moment mm. because it doesn't have to be perfect you don't have to be straight in order as you think it should be or could be just move and especially when you move in obedience and trust in God he will put things in place he will order things and make things in ways that you wouldn't even imagine or believe and make it even better and so even when you say anything is possible anything is possible when God is in the midst and I and I truly believe that and so that even in itself is a source of my joy as well Mm. because I don't have to worry about things I don't have to get stressed or anxious about things because I believe in a God I trust in a God who can do all things better and bigger and greater than what I could ever do in my human body and I always find when I do get stressed or when I am worried that's because I haven't spoken to God about it that's because I haven't prayed about it that's because I just I'm I'm in my own head as opposed to trying to commune with God in that time and so that's my main thing is trusting God Mm. and some people might be like well you know I haven't spoken to God in so long I don't you know does God even know me now is the right time to talk to God even if you pause the podcast now and say a prayer you know my cousin he used to say I said James do you pray he said yeah sometimes I look out the window I'm like yo well go on God (laughs) and you know he was laughing he said you know that might not be the right way and I said it is the right way for you because we all communicate to God in different ways. There's no one way. Mm. So um, just speak to God. Trust God. Andrea, Andrea, now tell me, so how can our listeners contact you? What are the platforms that they can contact you on? Well, as I mentioned before, my uh, major platform is I am Andrea Joyful, and that is on both Instagram and Facebook. Um, and I've got loads of content on there about different topic topics um, to really encourage and promote a joy-filled life. And um, so that's always a great. I also share other, like usually on the stories, I'll share other platforms that I connect 
connect with that also inspire and encourage joy. And so, yeah, go on there, follow the videos, follow me, um, you know, send me a direct message. I'm always willing to chat and pray for people as well. And I can also give you details about Antigua Beach Church as well. So, yeah. So I have a saying uh, that you only have one life. This is it. Live it. And um, I suppose that's, that's my motto for my life. And it's um, made it a lot easier with my issues with procrastination. You know, aim to do, dream to do. You dreamt it, but the difference was you lived the dream. And my encouragement is to everyone that they actually live their dream. Um, we've had a good old chat with Andrea and I'd love that. Oh, thank you, Tony. I really enjoyed that. As always, this is a... Uh, um, episode two so i'm really happy that i've had someone as inspirational as andrea joy thank you for listening and tune in for the next episode Bye.